there, I'm Leah Ben Miller, the worship leader of the local church, and you're listening to the local church podcast featuring the messages from our Sunday liturgy. The local church is a bold, inclusive faith community based in Chatham County, North Carolina, and our mantra is our mission, love where you are. We gather for affirming, anchoring, and empowering worship every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at Woods Charter School and online via Facebook Live and YouTube. No matter where you find yourself physically, spiritually, or emotionally, you belong at the local church. And we're so glad you're here. Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 8, verses 16 through 21. No one, after lighting a lamp, hides it under a jar or puts it under a bed. Rather, one puts it on a lampstead so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be disclosed, nor is anything secret that will not become known and come to light. So pay attention to how you listen, for to those who have, more will be given. And from those who do not have, even what they seem to have, be taken away. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and your brothers are standing outside waiting to see you. But he said to them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. This is the word of God for all God's creation. Thanks be to God. Just a heads up, real quick, this morning we'll call for some audience participation. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You'll know when it's time. But in the meantime, <laughs> y'all are like, is it too? Can I leave? Can I, can I get out here? Uh, in the meantime, it's the season of Epiphany here at the local church, and uh, Epiphany is the season in the church calendar that comes after Christmas. And if you remember, the word Epiphany means manifest or revelation or new understanding. It's in the season of Epiphany in which we contemplate and consider how God is revealed to us in Jesus, how God's love is made manifest, not in a lavish palace, but among the vulnerable, among the outcast, the marginalized, how the incarnation of Jesus' love coming local invites us into a new understanding 
of who God is, who we are, and who God is calling us to be. For this reason, Epiphany is often also called the season of light. The season of light. In other words, these new revelations, manifestations, understandings of Jesus are being illuminated for us by God. In Epiphany, we contemplate how Jesus is revealed as the light of the world, and we consider what that might mean for how we live and move and inhabit our world. That's why you've heard the theme of light so prevalent in our worship this morning from Leah and the team. And, and when you consider the scripture that Nicole read from Luke's gospel, Luke's biography of Jesus, then you realize that it's especially fitting that Leah and the team sent the kids out this morning with this little light of mine, one of our standards here. So what does it mean that Jesus is the light of the world? What's the nature of this light? And how does this light impact how we live and move in our communities and in the world? I'll give you one example this morning of what it doesn't look like and a few, I think, of what it does. But first, I want to be sure to welcome you. My name is Brent. I have the great joy of serving as the pastor here at the local church, and we hope for three things each and every time you connect with us in any way. We want you to feel affirmed, anchored, and empowered. That is affirmed in your belovedness as the child of God that you are, anchored in the good news that we share together each week, and empowered then to take your next faithful step on the way of Jesus for the sake of God's world. That's our hope and our deep prayer, affirmed, anchored, and empowered by God's grace. If it's your first time with us, a special word of welcome to you. We know how challenging it can be to step foot inside a church for the first time, and uh, we work hard to honor the risk that you have taken to be here. So feel free this morning to be as visible or as anonymous as you would like to be, but just know that we are glad that you are here. We don't take your presence here for granted. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey or on no journey at all, you have a place here at the local church, and we give God thanks for you. You have belonging here, and we're more whole with you. So as we begin this morning, let's just be quiet for a moment. Holy God, we do pray that you would shine your light on us and on our world this day. Fill us with your light. Shine it all around us, God. Illuminate our path. Help us to see you, to hear you, to encounter you in fresh ways and ways that you know we need today, oh God. Speak through me, in spite of me, beyond me. In the name of Jesus, the light of the world, I pray. Amen. We're continuing this morning our slow roll through the Gospel of Luke, picking up right where we left off last week. If you missed it, you can always catch up on our uh, podcast feed. But last week, we leaned into the parable of the sower and thought together about how perhaps, perhaps, Jesus isn't mad at us. That the point of the parable, perhaps, isn't that Jesus uh, uh, wants us to feel terrible about ourselves. But instead, it's that he understands what it means to be human. He knows how hard it is, and he's encouraging his hearers, us, to cultivate hospitable soil. We talked about spiritual practices as garden tools last week that might help us to better receive and create good space for the word of God to, to take root in our hearts. And so this week, as we encounter the somewhat cryptic words of Jesus here, the question seems to be, now what? In other words... What do you do when the good stuff starts 
to grow. What do you do with that? And here's what Jesus says. This is verse 16 in chapter 8. No one, after lighting a lamp, hides it under a jar or puts it under a bed. Rather, one puts it on a lampstand so that those who enter may see the light. Verses similar to this one show up in other gospels too, in other narrative accounts of Jesus's life. In Matthew, Jesus says this, you are the light of the world. City built on a hill cannot be hid. People do not light a lamp and put it under the bushel basket. Rather, they put it on the lampstand and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father in heaven. And then in Mark's gospel, Jesus says to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under the bushel basket or under the bed and not on the lampstand? The sentiment seems to be just like the song that we sang. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? Hide it under a bushel? Hide it under a bushel? (laughs) Oh, the audience participation is just getting started, y'all. Let it shine. Get it out there, right? Some of y'all know, uh, some of y'all know, that um, when I was in eighth grade, I, I've talked about it some, I had this conversion experience on a, on a field trip to Quebec, Canada, of all places, like you do, as one does. I know this isn't everyone's story, uh, to have a singular moment where things just sort of click. Uh, for some of us, it's more of a slow burn, how great that God meets us in all different kinds of ways. Each of us is unique. Uh, but for me, it was, yeah, on a field trip to Quebec, Canada, and, uh, and something happened there to me, something I couldn't explain. And I came back from that trip wanting to learn all of the things and get more involved in youth group and be the biggest, brightest, best Christian that I could be, the brightest light that I could. And uh, looking back, I-, I was probably ridiculously annoying. My friends in youth group even nicknamed me Rev, short for Reverend, because I was so pious, so holier than thou. I went to all of the Christian concerts. I sat front row at Stephen Curtis Chapman, if that means anything to you. Read all the Left Behind books. I had the I Heart Jesus t-shirts that I would wear proudly. In high school, when I would take friends home from school, I'd force them to listen to Christian music in the car, and I'd say, see, it's not that bad, right? It's a miracle that they kept needing rides, and I had friends at all. Um, And I share this. I share this because... I think sometimes when we think about shining our light, letting our light shine, this is what we think Jesus is talking about. That you've got to talk to random strangers about Jesus, that you've got to change your Instagram bio so that everyone knows that you heart Jesus too. You've got to wear the t-shirts proudly and put the fish symbol on the back of your car. And if that's your thing, you do you. No judgment here. I love that for you. I want that for you. I've been there, but I'm also just not sure That's what Jesus is getting at here when he talks about putting your light on a lampstand so that others may see the light. I'm not sure that's what Jesus wants our next step to be. I'm not sure it's about being the biggest, brightest, most overwhelming, overpowering light that you can be as much as it is about letting the light of Christ shine in and through you in your daily life. In other words... I think we instead let God's light into our lives and it becomes the light through which we see and inhabit the world. And as that starts to happen, as we let it, we, as that starts to happen, we let it shine into the depths within us, revealing our own darkened corners. We let it shine around us on one, what once 
might have been hidden before. And we let it shine on the path forward, revealing the future to which God is leading us. In other words, how brightly our light shines is rooted in our actions and our behaviors made possible only by the light of Christ in and around us. Two quotations now from a Catholic theologian and priest and author and amazing human being, Richard Rohr, that help, I think, illustrate this point, drive this point home. He says, Christ is the light that allows people to see things in their fullness. Christ is the light that allows people to see things in their fullness. And then this one, you don't see the light, but it is through the light that you see everything else. You don't see the light, but it is through the light that you see everything else. Got to chew on that for the rest of the day, right? So, so good. Will you, um, will you sing with me? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. So it may not look like high school Brent wearing his cringe Christian t-shirts, but it might look like St. Francis of Assisi. It's the 12th century in Assisi, a town in Italy, and there's a young man named Francis. His father is a wealthy cloth merchant, and so Francis has never wanted for anything in his entire life. He's carefree. He attends big, fancy soirees. The food and the drink flow freely as he hangs out with other wealthy elite. He wears fancy clothes, and he has big dreams of one day becoming a knight. But not everyone lived like Francis. In Assisi, there were also lepers who, in particular, did not live like Francis. Those suffering from leprosy had painful, often disfiguring sores throughout their body, and the disease was thought to be highly contagious. As a result, the lepers were reviled and marginalized and poverty-stricken. No one wanted to come near for fear of catching the disease themselves. And so one day, Francis is riding his horse there in Assisi, and he comes upon a leper, and as you might imagine, his first instinct is to turn the opposite direction, ride the complete other way. You can't get too close, right? You can't be too careful. And so as he turns and starts the other way, something happens. The horse slows to a stop. And Francis remembers from somewhere something about Jesus having once healed a leper. And Francis begins to wonder how long it's been since this man has been embraced. How long since someone acknowledged his existence, his humanity? How long since someone asked, how are you feeling? And that's when Francis dismounted his horse, walked over to the man, and kissed him. And after he, after he kissed the man, Francis gave all the money he had. Francis wouldn't soon forget this man in this moment, and soon afterward, in a sign of solidarity, Francis gave up everything, his wealth, his status, his family even, to devote his life to Jesus and the care of those in greatest need. Because the light of Christ, Francis found a new enlarged family, much as Jesus described in the passage today. Christ is the light that allows people to see things in their fullness. 
This little light of mine shines on the depths within and reveals our dark corners. All right, again, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. It might also look like William Wilberforce. Fast forward to the late 18th century in England at age 21. William Wilberforce is a young member of the British Parliament. He's a socialite, a man about town. He's charming. He's witty. He's friends with the prime minister. And like many bright, young, Cambridge-educated leaders, his own personal success was his driving force, his driving motivation. But just a few years later, everything changes for Wilberforce when he takes a trip across Europe with his friend and former teacher, Isaac Milner. Milner was a follower of Jesus, and while they were together, Milner gave Wilberforce some reading material, and as they traveled, Wilberforce began to read and reflect on his own beliefs and his own faith. He starts to read his Bible, begins to ask big questions, he spends more time in prayer, and when he gets back from the trip, things have changed for him. He's using his time differently now. Things that once mattered significantly to him, status and wealth and power, they don't seem nearly as significant anymore. It's a moment of crisis for him. And so he reaches out to his Christian friend, John Newton, for advice. Wilberforce is considering quitting parliament because of his newfound convictions. But John Newton, a former slave ship captain turned Anglican priest, who we might better know as the one who wrote Amazing Grace, instead encouraged Wilberforce to remain in parliament. Newton insisted that perhaps, perhaps God might use him for some good there. And so Wilberforce stayed, trusting that this could be true. And lo and behold, shortly thereafter, Wilberforce's convictions about Jesus, his conversations that he had begun to have with friends and time spent reading about and learning the horrific and dehumanizing facts of the slave trade, convicted and convinced Wilberforce of the urgent need to abolish slavery. He didn't see how slavery could be reconciled with the Christian faith. And he couldn't unsee what those around him were helping him see, how they were directing the light of Christ into Wilberforce's life to reveal the horrors of slavery, slavery, the dehumanizing impact, bringing the greed and pride of anti-abolitionists out of the shadows and into the light as well. And so Wilberforce took up the issue in Parliament, introducing a measure to abolish the slave trade and giving a three-hour-long speech laying out the horrific facts of slavery. With his own light, Wilberforce was shining on what and on who had been long kept hidden. And he ended his speech to Parliament with this mic drop moment. He said, having heard all of this, you may choose to look the other way, but you can never again say that you did not know. In 1833, after years of verbal assaults and physical attacks and death threats, as Wilberforce lay on his deathbed, He learned at last that slavery had been abolished in Britain and he'd die just days later. You don't see the light, but it is through the light that you see everything else. This little light of mine shines around us on what was once hidden before. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. 
This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. It might also look like those who have sung this song before. Those of us who continue to sing it here, no one is really sure where the song This Little Light of Mine came from. A man named Harry Dixon Lowe's gets credit for writing the song, but there's apparently no evidence that that's the case. Instead, it's likely that it emerged as a spiritual or a children's folk song, kept being passed down from generation to generation. And it became a civil rights anthem for resistance in the 1950s and 60s at a place called the Highlander Folk School in Tennessee. There, activists like Rosa Parks and Dr. King and Fannie Lou Hamer and Pete Seeger and others would regularly gather to share ideas and discern strategy. And as the story goes, while they were there, a musician named Zofia Horton took this little light and adapted it for the civil rights struggle, adding a verse and then sharing it among those gathered. From there, the light refracted throughout the movement, and it became a song of defiance song of joy, song of hope, each person singing, lighting the way forward. Here's how one freedom singer, Rutha May Harris, described it. I don't know that we have that. Sorry, I, I got distracted this morning. But she said this. <laughs> it kept us from being afraid. We'd start singing a song, and somehow those billy clubs would not hit you. It played a very important role during the movement. And as the protests dragged on throughout the 1960s and the shadows seemed ever longer, the, sh- the song continued to evolve. The singing of this song would be a protest. Different people adding their own verses. Here's how Betty Mae Fikes described it. She said, I'm thinking, you know, how is, how is the light shining when they're trying to put our lights out? So everybody was taking verses and all of a sudden I just started adding our oppressors in the song. Tell Jim Clark, I'm going to let it shine. And as I added my oppressors here, other people in the audience began to shout out, tell the KKK, tell our president. It was like being free, she said. The power of the song, the light of the song persists. In 2017, at the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville, Virginia, as neo-Nazis hurled racist and homophobic slurs and shouted, you will not replace us. A pastor named Osagyefu Uhuru Seku led counter-protesters in song drowning out the racist chants with their own version of this little light. Reverend Sekou said, you know, Pentecostals, we talk about changing the atmosphere. And so I know this song could do that. So I just broke out into this little light of mine and it shook them. It shook them. They didn't know what to do with the joy. We weren't going to let the darkness have the last word. This little light of mine shines on the path forward, revealing the future that God has for us. Beloved of God, here's the good news. The light of Christ shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overtake it. And by God's grace, this is the light through which everyone and everything is illuminated. And the charge and the challenge today is not to hide it under the bed or under a bushel, but to put it on a lampstand and let it shine, not by being the biggest, the best, the brightest, but by shining it within to reveal our darkest corners by shining it around us to reveal that which had hidden before, and by shining it on the road ahead to illumine a future of hope, of justice, and a world set right. It may not look like St. Francis. It may not look like William Wilberforce or Fannie Lou Hamer, but it will look like Jesus shining through you for the sake of God's world. So beloved of God, here's my prayer for you this morning. If you've ever felt
that you didn't measure up or that you weren't doing enough, I pray that you'll let God's light shine on those darkened corners of your heart to remind you who and whose you are to bring healing and peace for you. If you've ever felt stuck or listless, questioned your purpose, wondering if you're where you're supposed to be, I pray that you'll trust that God is using you for good there and will light the path forward. If you have felt tired of bitterness or have become entrenched in the shadow of division, I pray that the light of Christ might shine far and wide to move us past us versus them, past my people versus those people in versus out. Recognize that all are sisters and brothers and siblings in Christ. If you felt discouraged by injustice or have longed for a different world, I pray that whether through your voice, your presence, your prayers, or your actions, you will let your light, which is God's light, shine around you such that vulnerable people and unjust systems might be brought into the light for justice, for reconciliation, and for wholeness. And if you need a little hope today or some other day, if the shadows grow long, the darkness feels overwhelming. I pray that you will let this community be a light for you to light your way forward, to bear witness to hope and to reveal little by little the future that God has for all of us. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Amen. If you love what you hear, share this episode or send it to someone who could use a little good news this week. We'd also love for you to leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. It's an easy way to share the love. You can learn more about the local church at our website, growlocal.church, or just come see us one week. Thanks for listening and love where you are.